morning. I'm, we are doing Uddhav Gita, the last message of Sri Krishna. And this is chapter 1. We had done till verse 11, so we are continuing from verse 12 onwards. So Uddhav Gita, chapter 1, verse 12. O omnipresent Lord, the goddess Lakshmi is jealous. As from a co-wife of thy garland of wild flowers, even though withered, thou dost accept the worship done with this garland as duly offered. O may thy feet ever be the fire to consume our evil desires. Now, this verse is talking about how Goddess Lakshmi is jealous of the Lord's garland. <laughs> Doesn't it sound very funny? The garland is put in his neck. If you remember, Sri Krishna has got foot also. Okay, it is there. It is a gem. It is there on his breast. Then there is a garland. Now, there are a number of garlands that we have seen. One is a flower garland. And the second one is Tulsi. The Tulsi garland is normally at the feet. You can put, him, put it even in the neck, but it is normally at the feet. And the flower garland is normally on top. Now, what are all these people saying over here? They are saying that even if the flowers are withered, the garland is withered. Now, withered garland, normally when we put a garland onto someone, what happens to that garland? It is fresh. The flowers are fresh. But if you keep the garland for quite some time, then what happens? It gets withered. So here, imagine Krishna has put this garland around his neck and he has not even removed it. So it is as if he is more particular about the garland, the one who has given him the garland, than his wife who is sitting over there on his chest. You get it? So that is the reason why Lakshmi is always very particular about it. She is she's angry. Now, I will tell you one small story about this anger part. There is a temple in India, which is in a place called Pandarpur. Now, Pandarpur has a couple of images. The most important one is Vithova. Now, Vithala's image, the reason why he is called Vithova is because he is standing on a brick. Vit in Marathi means brick. So, he is called Vithala also. So, Vithala is standing with his two arms at the side, like this. And it's a posture. It's a posture of anger. It's a false anger, but still, it's an angry posture. See, when you fight with someone, what do you do? You normally say, okay, tell me what I am going to say. <laughs> he is looking in one direction. 
and there is another temple behind where his wife is standing and she also has her hands like that and she is looking in the other direction it is as if both are fighting with each other all right now what is the reason for the fight there is another temple in the middle of that that's a temple of radha so it's because of radha there is a fight that is what is mentioned over there hmm? so vithal rakmai rakmai is rukmini vithal is krishna okay so and there is radha in the middle so the reason for the fight is because radha is there now here the reason for getting angry is the garland the garland comes in the middle and he is not even removing it so his wife thinks that he loves the person who has given the garland more than he loves me so do you get the point this is how it is to be <laughs> visualized so he accepts the worship done by all his devotees whichever way it is mentioned in the purans even in the bhagavatam in the bhagavad gita that if you were to offer even a leaf a tulsi leaf that is more than enough for krishna so here it is mentioned that this particular devotee who has offered a garland to krishna a duly offered garland when you offer a garland you have to offer the garland along with see there is a procedure that needs to be followed and the procedure will come further ahead somewhere in the maybe the 9th or 8th chapter the procedure says that first you got to take bath okay you got to take bath in the morning clean the god all right anoint him with sandal paste all over his body okay the sandal paste all over his body and all and then the vermilion dot over there and then offer him the choicest of the flowers in the form of a garland and some flowers at his feet then you can offer him tulsi then the water and the entire prayers and so on and so forth and finally it is the prasad so don't forget the prasad okay he needs to eat also okay <laughs> so if he needs to eat you offer him the prasad also right the prayers and the aarti aarti is important now you may do it with one flame five flames three it does not matter it, it depends on you how you want to do the aarti so this is the basic process procedure so did you get the point where to offer the garland somewhere in the middle huh? after cleaning anointing him with the you know sandal paste and all that then you then you put the garlands along with the flowers fragrant flowers now the strangest part is 
there are flowers which he likes and if you were to get those flowers nothing like it the fragrant ones remember the fragrant ones and the time for him to go out is early in the morning or late in the night okay if you remember he used to go running towards the riverside late in the night for all his raslilas so at that time there are flowers which are meant for that purpose like ratranis and all that huh? early in the morning say around 3:30 4 o'clock in the morning there are certain flowers which bloom and they give off very good fragrance one of the flowers which is very very dear to krishna is called parijata it has got white color petals and the stem is orange in color i'm sure you have seen that okay otherwise you can google parijata and you will come to know this plant has got a story and this flower has got a story behind it the story is krishna's second wife okay satyabhama now satyabhama insisted that she wants this particular plant which the flower which krishna likes she wants it in her garden and this particular flower you know the tree or the tree or whatever it is belongs to indra indra is the sole owner of that tree all right like he has got airavat he has got this parijata tree also and she tells krishna you have to go and rob that tree and bring it <laughs> so krishna goes and robs it and brings it and puts it in his garden it is his favorite all right so if you get flowers which are parijata also they are also very good you have heard of kevra and champa that also so all these flowers are very favorite no they are and rose at the end of the day rose a fragrant rose so if you put a garland of these flowers you know these flowers and it gets withered he doesn't care whether it's a withered garland have you ever seen a politician with a withered flowers <laughs> you will never find any politician with a withered flowers he wants only fresh but krishna doesn't mind even taking a garland which is withered he will take it it is not is in continuing that story of parijata it ends in a very peculiar manner somewhere it ends in the sense uh, why that particular thing happens she tries to wake krishna satyabhama tries to wake krishna in gold unfortunately where krishna is sitting that side is always down and <laughs> gold side is always up as much gold as you put krishna is not becoming lighter at all you have to give equivalent weight of krishna to gold hmm? that is that tulabharna that's a right which is followed even in most of these temples you will find that if you become a 60 year old person or something like that you put that tulabharna so she is upset that i am putting so much of gold diamond and so on and so forth and still krishna is still the heaviest how is it possible so she has to go to rukmini and ask her can you tell me the secret for this so she says it's nothing just remove all your gold 
and just go and put one leaf, one leaf of tulsi. So she puts one leaf of tulsi. <laughs> Krishna becomes lighter. The tulsi becomes heavier. So this is the story of tulsi. So tulsi can be offered to Krishna. So I have given you one or two stories. Now there is a part which comes over here. Which is very very important in the next four verses also. And in that he says. That the feet are very very important. Isn't it? The, why are the feet of the Lord so important? You have seen. When you have seen the pictures of Shivji. In his hair. He has tied Ganga. Right? Whereas Ganga is always under the feet of Sri Krishna. So it originates from the feet of Krishna. So if you are to go to the Himalayas, say Gangotri, Yamunotri, whichever place, Gomuka, it is said that the glacier starts at the feet of Krishna. Or it is in the hair of Shivji. So, why is this Ganga at the feet of Krishna is another story. In the Quran it is written that one day Ganga was sitting with Krishna. Alright. And Radha comes over there. This is this is happening in Golok. Golok Rindava. So Radha comes over there and suddenly when she is coming, you know how Krishna's friends will say, Oh, Radha is coming, be careful, be careful. <laughs> so Tulsi or rather even Ganga. She says, give me some place to hide. So, Krishna says, you go under my feet. So, that is the place Ganga has to hide herself under his feet. So, when Radha comes, she sees there is nobody over there, but water is flowing from his feet. Ganga goes by various other names also. Goes by the name Mandagini, Bhagirathi, and all that. There are different, different names. So she is always at the feet of the Lord. This is a story to tell you how Ganga is at the feet of the Lord. So if Ganga can be at the feet of the Lord, Tulsi is also at the feet of the Lord. So the flower garland will be in his neck, the Tulsi garland will be at his feet. This is how it normally is. And the feet are the most important part of the Lord for a devotee. When you are a devotee of the Lord, what is the first thing that you will say? Can I be in your heart? That is how you normally want. Because if you are in love with someone, you will say, I want to live in your heart. Isn't that how we say? But with Krishna, he has no place for
for a devotee in his heart because his heart is already over full. Understand this. <laughs> the devotee keeps the Lord in his heart, not the other way around. It is never that Krishna keeps the devotee in his heart that way. Everything is in the heart at the end of the day. But you have to understand where a devotee should always be. Not in the heart of the Lord. Never. We should always want to be at the feet of the Lord. That destroys the ego that comes with devotion. You know, the devotion is a very peculiar thing. When you are a devotee of the Lord, you want to be the closest to the Lord, isn't it? Everybody wants to be closest to the Lord. So if you want to be closest to the Lord, you want to be in his heart. A devotee should always be at the feet of the Lord. And who greater than Hanuman to teach us that? Anjaneya will teach you that always to be at the feet of the Lord is more important. It will give us zero ego. And if you go with ego to the Lord, you know, you are not going to be with him at all. Especially if you want to sit on his head or in his heart or whichever place. So do you understand? Lakshmi is jealous of the flower garden also. Right? So the Lord Krishna accepts flowers offered to him or whatever that is offered to him, even if a leaf is offered, he accepts it and he preserves it. Just like you would preserve a flower given by your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. That's how it is, isn't it? So he preserves it. He keeps it in his neck. So, I hope you have understood in this verse, there are a couple of things which are very, very important. The Lord loves his devotee the most. The, the garland offered by a devotee to the Lord has got far more greater value. Even if it is withered, he will keep it in his neck. The second thing is, it is always better to be at the feet of the Lord so that we don't develop an ego. Okay? The devotees are not supposed to develop an ego. So we have finished verse 12. Uddhav Gita, last message of Sri Krishna, chapter 1, we are doing verse 13. O infinite, O Lord, may thy foot rectify the sins of us, thy devotee, that is, who is us, the devotee, the foot which was, which with its three steps became thy banner, as it were with the Ganga, flowing in three regions as is Penon, which caused fear and fearlessness to the armies of the Asuras and the Devas respectively, which conduced to heaven in the case of the good and to hell in that of the wicked. So this verse is quite twisted. I mean, the English itself looks very strange. No? I will explain to you slowly. First, we are starting with the feet of the Lord. Again, why is the feet very important? 
the feet is extremely important because it is the place from where Ganga emanates. Also, there is one more story which we will do in the coming verse. So, the foot is important. Always pray at the feet of the Lord. One more important thing to remember. Pray means when you go to the temple, you pray at the feet of the Lord. Now, when you are doing your meditation, see, remember this, when you are doing your meditation, what is important? We normally take a certain part of the body and then we are supposed to do the meditation. The object in front of us, whatever is the object in front of us, let us say we have a small image of Krishna. You can look in his eyes, you can look in his ears, where his you know, earrings are, or his face, or his vastram. The best place to do meditation is the feet of the Lord. So always focus at the feet of the Lord. Focus at the feet. And then you do your meditation. So in this, the foot is important. So we started with the foot. The foot rectifies our sins. That means the sins of the devotees are cleansed. I'm sure you know that those who go to Haridwar, Rishikesh, Varanasi, Bengal, whichever place that you are going, are we not taking a bath in the Ganga to wash our sins? Correct? So now you understand why the feet are important of the Lord. The Ganga emanates from the feet. It eliminates our sins. It removes the sins of every devotee. And that is the reason why take, touch the feet of that image. Alright? Focus on the feet. Meditate on the feet. Always be at the feet of the Lord. Nothing beyond that. Hmm? So, the feet removes the sins. The foot which took three steps. Now, the three-step story is well known. Okay? What is the three-step story? I'm sure you remember it. Hmm? It's Bali Maharaj. Bali Maharaj was a very great king. Now, he was very generous and his generosity was such that he would donate anything. Like anybody who came to him and asked him, any Brahman who came to him and said, you know, I, can you please give me this? Can you give me a cow? Can you give me? So, he was ready to do and he was very generous and he was very proud of his generosity. Now, you should never be proud of your generosity. You have to understand something, you know. If you go to the temple and if you put 10,000 rupees over there in the hundi, you know, don't say, I put 10,000 rupees. Don't even utter that word. That 10,000 becomes minus 10,000. Why you want to become, you know, you know, why you want to be on the minus side, plus side. Don't say that you have put. Hmm? Never utter these words that you have given, you have put, you have donated. Don't tell anybody. Never. It increases your ego. And when it increases your ego, remember, it goes towards formation of karma. How does karma happen? Let us say you are helping someone. 
you are trying to help someone get a job, let us say that. Now you offer this particular person an opportunity to be in a certain company. You have come to know that there is a job opening in say your own organization or some other organization. And you go and recommend that person. And say, okay, uh, there is a job over there, why don't you apply? And maybe if you are there in your own company, you pull a certain number of strings and you tell your boss, you know, this person is very good, you should give this person a job. Let us say you give that person a job or the, the person is employed by that company. Now, somewhere in the future, you keep on saying, I gave the job to this person, I gave the job to this person, I gave. You keep on repeating this story. Do you know what happens over there? Whatever good that you have done turns to naught. Why? Because what you had done was called Mishkam Karma. You were just a, a via media. You know via media is a route for getting to that destination. You are just a via media. A conduit, pipe, to get the job. You are just a pipeline. But the moment you say, I gave the job, you have converted it into a karma. Remember, what is karma? Karma is an action that is performed by you. All actions are karma. But because you have said that you have given the job, what is the reciprocation of that karma? You have to, it has to be reciprocated, isn't it? You have to get back in return. So remember, you have given now you have given a job to a person who didn't have a job. Jobless person. Remember me. You have given a job to a jobless person. Karma, the law of karma states that you have to get returns of that 100%. So are you not sanctioning yourself 100% returns on that? So in your future life, you are going to be jobless and this particular individual is going to offer you a job. That is the only way of compensation. Now tell me something. Why would you like this kind of a return? First, why do you need a second life or a third life or a fourth life? In the first place, when you have got yourself this sanction, you need a return on the karma, isn't it? So, have you not unwittingly signed on to that bond that I will be with this person forever and ever and ever? And sanctioned yourself a job and also sanctioned yourself joblessness. It is only when you are without a job, you are unemployed, that you need employment. So you have sanctioned yourself unemployment in your life. Why do you want to get involved in a karma like that? So never say, I did it. Never, ever take the credit for anything that you might have done in this world. So now, let us come back to the story. 
where Bali Maharaj says, I gave him this, I did this. He is proud of his achievements. He has given land and this and that and he is proud of his achievements. So one day the Lord wants to test him out. So the Lord goes in the form of a dwarf. Small guy. Game of Thrones, you know. So he goes like a small guy. Very tiny fellow. And that avatar is called Vamana avatar. And he is a Brahmin. So when he approaches Bali Maharaj, Bali Maharaj says, What can I offer you? So he says, Thank you very much. You are such a kind king. Uh, can I get three feet? One, two, and three feet of something. What is that? Land. Three. I will put my three feet, first feet, then the second feet, then this feet once again. And that is more than enough. That land is enough for me. And Bali Maharaj is looking at this dwarf and he says, How much can this fellow take, you know? A dwarf's feet are small. How much will he take? Maybe about two, three feet. That's it, isn't it? So two, three feet of land can be given to a dwarf. Unfortunately, he doesn't realize that that is the Lord himself. So he says, now I want to put my first feet. So the first feet he puts on the entire earth. <laughs> so he says, the earth is white. He puts the second feet on the heavens. The heavens are mine. So he says, now everything is mine. Where do you want me to put the third feet? So Bali Maharaj realizes his folly and says, Oh, my ego is destroyed completely. Now I don't know what to do. So he says, Can you put it on my head? So the feet are put on the head of Bali Maharaj. And that is how his ego gets destroyed. Now do you understand the correlationship of feet Ego, how it is getting destroyed. Huh? And never have that in your mind that I am doing this or I am doing that. No. Never ever say I did it. It's a part of your life. You are doing something. That's it. Remember Nishkam Karma. Karma which doesn't lead to further life. Right? Repayment is not necessary. That kind of a karma. So, the feet are the destroyers of sin also, karma also. Got it? So the third feet is put on the head of Bali Maharaj. The Lord is very happy that the ego was destroyed. So then, remember he has taken over two places. What are the two places? The earth and the heavens. What is left? The hell is left. So he tells Bali Maharaj, you become the boss of the hell. Okay, so one of the hells, one of the hells down there. Bali Maharaj is the super boss. Now everybody thinks hell is a, in a, a bad place or something like this. Nothing like that. It's a place where you just expiate your sins. You just remove them out. It's a place for doing service. 
it's not that you will be put in a skewer and you know turned into a tandoori roti or some you know tandoori or something like this not tandoori chicken for you okay <laughs> nobody is going to put in hot boiling oil and water and all that that is all bunkum what is true is you are given a chance to overcome all the problems that you have created for yourself on this planet earth okay try to expiate remove these sins what kind of sins i just now said karma no every karma cannot be expiated sorry the karma that happens the karma does not happen alone remember this there is a cascading effect that comes along with the karma how does the cascading effect work you you have to understand i am giving you some secrets about karma and what they are please remember this very very important thing because karma is a story nobody understand nobody no person on this planet earth can ever tell you what is karma all about i'm giving you a small glimpse of it there is a cascade on to the other to the other to the other which happens when karma when a single strand of karma is tweaked you know like a guitar tweak that string you know what happens no an effect like this happens it's like a cascade or it is like a ripple effect what is the ripple effect of a karma nobody understands the ripple effect they think that is only one karma no 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 don't be under that false impression it is not one karma let us go back to the story you have given an opportunity for someone to take up a job all right now you may think the karma is only associated with this one individual not at all when you said i gave the job to this person what has the job done to that individual given him money certain amount of you know lifestyle isn't it so the person who has got the job has taken up the job for a certain reason and the reason is very very simple as far as i can see so that they can sustain themselves in this world take care of their family so the karma's cascading effect is with the family and the people associated with whom that money and that job is going to give the benefits to so the karma is not only with that one individual you have linked your life with the entire group of people that are going to be associated with this person that you are giving the job that is the ripple effect let us see one example of the ripple effect let us say this person has got a child an autistic child he has got a job with your favor because you have favored that person now the child's life 
okay whatever the expenses that are incurred for medicines and cure and all for that autistic child are being paid from this salary isn't it the moment you take the credit that you are responsible for giving job to this person who in turn is helping his child become okay so are you not getting associated with the child so let us say every month 1000 rupees is going towards the child's welfare do you know what is the cascading effect of that and what is the effect repayment of that you are sanctioning yourself to become that child in some future life of yours why do you want to become autistic in some life of yours so that this autistic child in the future life will pay 1000 bucks to you can you understand how crazy this karma thing is if nobody understands the effect of karma please remember this never take karma on your head don't even utter the words i did it some people have this dirty habit of saying you know i am not saying i did it but you know this happened don't utter those words also that kind of a nonsensical statement also don't make because you don't know how to expiate the karma it's a very very dire warning please remember this so now do you understand the corollary the after effect huh or the cascade the cascading effect needs to be nullified so the hells are the place the hell is the place because you have to expiate those additional things that you have done knowingly unknowingly but if you are a devotee of the lord this is a place you will have to go and remove those additional karmas did you get it any additional effect that is there this is the place you have to get it erased so now bali maharaj is the boss of one of the hells bali maharaj is not a bad person you know he is a very very nice person so did you get the point why do you want to go to that place why not go straight to the lord please devotee the cascade is terrible please understand this now you understand why ganga is important to rid us of our sins so you take a bath in the ganga all the sins get expiated it causes fear and fearlessness to the armies of the asuras and the devas respectively it causes fears what causes fears the feet of the lord the ganga everything that is associated now so many stories i told you remember all these stories how they are coming together and the devas the devas always are at the feet of the lord remember this they are always praying to the lord they are at the feet of the lord 
which conduce to the heaven in case of good and to hell in that of the wicked. So the feet are responsible for either going to heaven on one side for all the good that you might have done. Uh, again, qualifying sentence, don't say I have done good. Just do good. Do good means be nice, kind, compassionate, loving, caring, all that, you know, humble and all that. You have to be. That's a part of our life. Don't get angry with people. No point. So that will take you to the heavens of the Lord where Krishna lives. Or the same feet. Remember it pushed Bali Maharaj down. So it can push you to hell also. I mean if you are as good as Bali Maharaj maybe you will get to become the super boss of one of the hells. Who knows? But why do you want to be bad? Just be good. Right? So, all the wicked people get pushed into the hell. Now you understand, hell is not a place where you are going to get roasted, toasted. No, you are only going to expiate all that additional, you know, karma, which is called the interest. The principle is one and interest is another, you know. So, the principle you have to come back to repay on this earth. And the interest is something you got to repay there. Better to get it repaid there, isn't it? Instead of trying to come back to earth again and trying to repay it. You know, it is a never-ending story. So, never get into that. So, I hope you understood this verse. First, it talks about the feet. Why are they so important? I gave you a number of stories. The stories say that the feet expiate all the sins. From the feet comes the Ganga. Right? The Ganga, we take a dip in the Ganga so that our sins get washed. Especially in the last part of our life, people want to get, you know, go to Banaras. And in Banaras, when the body is, when the ashes are put in the Ganga, all the sins are washed away. This is what we always know about. So, Ganga is a place. Then how do you expiate the sin? I told you the story of Bali Maharaj. Bali Maharaj, the third feet was put on his head and all his sins, his anger, greed and everything was completely destroyed by the Lord. So, if you ever commit any sin, always touch the feet of the Lord, pray to him, become a devotee and be at his feet so that your sins are removed. So, that is the place where the sins are removed. The Ganga flows from there again, like I said. And who are going to get kicked to the hell? Naturally, all the Asuras, they are doing all the bad stuff in the world. So, all the Asura actually doesn't mean a demon or a devil or something like that. Please remember that. Asuras are human beings. Every human being either has godliness or that devilishness in that person. Isn't it? Every person is like that. There are two natures. One is the higher nature, one is the lower nature. So you may have that asuric tendency also. Tendency. Asuric tendency. That means all the negative tendencies are asuric tendencies. Why do you want to have that? Anger, greed, lust. All those are negative tendencies. 
they will push you to that nether worlds. So the same feet are responsible for either elevating you, removing your sins or they are responsible for pushing you deep down into the hell. So this is what the verse is talking about. So we have come to the end of verse 13, the Uddhav Gita. So we will stop over here and tomorrow we will start from verse 14 onwards. Okay, so I will take your leave. You have a very good day.